Bet365 sponsors Why Always Us, and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Well, if there were questions about how City were shaping up ahead of this season, and if you listen to last week's Why Always Us, then you'll know that there definitely were, then a 3-1 win at Wolves in a tough opening match was probably the best way to answer them. This week's show, brought to you by The Athletic, is going to see how those answers hold up to scrutiny. And Pep Guardiola's first ever fifth season at a club gets off to a winning start. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. Good break. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, well timed, and then yeah, straight straight back into it with straight, the game last night. Straight back into a season with a great performance as well, all told. Yeah, it was good, and like like you said, um, there have been a lot of concerns, and whenever I had like a fleeting look at Twitter over the last couple of weeks, it was like the whole house was burning down. If like, you ran into any of my tweets, then it was definitely that. <laughs> but like, over the weekend as well, I think Friday was a particularly bad day because that was when Liverpool got Thiago. Um, and then Jota as well kind of came out from nowhere. Uh, and it was like, well, okay, well, they're, they're really doing something. And there was just kind of uncertainty around City. Nobody really knew what was going on with Koulibaly and, and Koundé and whatever else. And it just seemed like over the weekend was when I was looking at it a bit more as well with the other games going on. was just like, because we did on The Athletic, we did like a, a fan optimism survey. I remember asking the question, before the messy stuff had actually kicked off. And I remember, I think I jokingly said, look, if you answer now uh, and they sign Messi on Saturday, you know, you answer will only count once or whatever. But like, it was around that time, but Messi, Koulibaly could have come in and, you know, everything was like, oh, yeah, okay, City are going pretty well for the next season. And, it, you know, I think there was like 79.5% of City fans on that poll were like, you know, expected something good to happen this season. But I was genuinely thinking over the weekend, I was like, if you did that now, It'll be nowhere near that. <laughs> no, just down, just down because, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, transfers is a big part of that, as far as I could tell, just for, just from Twitter. And I know it's not always the best cross section, but transfers is a big part of that. But in fairness, there's loads of other stuff as well that you could be concerned about. You know, like especially after like United lost. And I'm not saying City that comparable to United in terms of football, but in terms of the way that United had lost, having started their season a week later. Um, even like PSG, I think basically Bayern Munich are the only team that haven't looked a bit off after having a bit of a delayed start or, you know, at least that run into Europe. And obviously they won 8-0, so they're fine. Yeah. But I think other teams had a bit of a, de- a delayed start and they weren't looking too good. Um, the injuries, uh, again, talking about Friday, it was Guardiola's press conference and he was really grumpy. Uh, he said about Aguero being out for one or two months, which I don't think is actually true. I think that's just him having a bit of a gripe. Um for whatever reason we might get into, I'm not sure. Uh, we probably will. Um, and then, yeah, um, COVID, like, 
Gundogan getting COVID on the day of the game. Or at least it getting <laughs> announced on the day of the game. You're just um, thinking, oh, well, it's, uh, I mean, phone it in now, you write it off. Yeah, don't Yeah, you? and like Eric Garcia, you know, people are like, oh, Eric Garcia's out. And then he's this this business about all the stitches and stuff. And then some people say, oh, it's not stitches. It's because he's going to Barcelona. It's just like, this is this is chaos, really. Um, and then after the game, Nathan Ake said, what did he say? What was the exact phrase? Like, oh, preseason's been all over the place or something like that. Words to that effect. And like, yeah, there was definitely reasons going into it thinking, this isn't good. I mean, the odds on Wolves to win were like quite generous. Um, and I was like, that's, you know, given the kind of situation City are in. And and again, like, the kind of shadow lurking over everything is the Leon game because it yeah. wasn't that long ago. Um, and you never, and like, and like City haven't done well against Wolves in the last couple of seasons. Um, obviously lost both games last season, admittedly with 10 men in one of them, but they, they did lose both of those games. And you just think it's it might not be the best start, and then all of a sudden, like they 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 played really well. They were they were knocking it around really well. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the details of the game, but um, even you know even in the periods when when Wolves were on top, which is fine, you like you're always going to have that in a game. Um, I wouldn't say City were like dealt with it too brilliantly, but in the end, in terms of coming through it. It worked you know, out okay, they, didn't it? They didn't crumple and they actually scored again at the end. So yeah. it was like definitely a much more positive outcome than was expected, to be fair. And, and in fairness, I, I can completely understand why people were worrying before the game. And look, at the, at the same time, just because they won, it doesn't mean that those worries aren't valid. Yeah, well, we're going to get into all of that. But first, uh, for a limited time only, we're offering you the opportunity to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all of Sam's great work on City and so much more, including... Uh, yeah, I mean, you did a piece about uh, the, the kits, didn't you, Sam? That, uh, that I mean, I suppose it's relevant because of the kit that they played in on Monday night. It was... Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was your, your famous line, uh, Ted Baker shirt that your dad would wear. Does it look better in action? Yeah, but I mean, I mean in fairness, it does. But from... Obviously, I was lucky enough to be in the stadium, but from the stands, and I think on TV anyway, it just looks like a white kit. So, like, it looks quite slick anyway. But I know it, 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 it's grown on me. Like, I, I do like it. Um, I like the pattern of it. And yeah, I did an I did an article on that because obviously, when these things leak online, generally, what you always see is people saying they don't like it if it's the third kit that's a bit out there. Um, so I wanted to speak to people at City to to be like why do you keep doing these kids that not a lot of people seem to like? And they were like, oh, well, you know, you don't get a lot of kids on social media. And, you know, sometimes we we uh, market certain ki- kids at, at kids. Um, we do a lot of feedback with the fans and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought, you know, it's not the most serious in-depth, this is what's going on at City article. But if people want to know about why City's kids are all, you know, they've all got these Manchester themes and why the third kids are a bit out there. And I suppose you could probably draw parallels between this and you know like that I'm trying to think of the other crazy shirts this season like United have got that zebra one sorry to mention United again (laughs) but that's that's the one that springs to mind Um, and that's just why um, that you know the third shirts manufacturers are taking more of a risk now so yeah I spoke to people at City and Puma for that and um, yeah well I mean there's plenty of time to dig into the nitty gritty of the actual football Um, there'll be plenty of that over the coming months Yeah, Uh, but if if you want if you want to know a bit more about the the clothes they put on to play their football <laughs> than I'm your man. I've never heard them described like that before. No. <laughs> uh, just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod and sign up for the special price of just £1 a month. So Sam, uh, the first thing that, that struck me about Monday's game 
uh, certainly in the first kind of, I'd say first 20 minutes and then kind of last 10 minutes of the uh, of, uh, of the first half, um, it felt very much like Guardiola had ditched anything too complicated about last season, like when, when to press and when to hold back and when not to run up. And it was just basically get the ball under pressure in the final third all the time. It just like it, it was like Wolves had no time on the ball whatsoever. Yeah, again, that, you know, one of the things of last season was, because there were so many things you could highlight as being the key thing. I'm not sure what the actual was the key. Uh, that was probably it. The fact that there were so many different things that came together. But one of them was definitely the pressing. There, was, there wasn't so much pressure, pressure on the ball. Um, and like, if you look at the examples of when they did do it, I'm thinking the, the Leicester game last December is a bit more of an obscure one. But the Real Madrid game at home in uh, August. That's a better example. You know, that's a really good and quite recent example of when they did press really well, really targetedly and with a lot of energy. Um, and, it, and it all came together and you think that's City at their best. Um, obviously, this season, that might be a bit of a problem. Guardiola's complaining about the, um, you know, the the amount of games and obviously there's a lot of injuries. And look, to be fair, is there any point in having the Carabao, like, throwing in the Carabao Cup in between the first couple of Premier League games? I Given there was talk that there wouldn't be a Carabao Cup at all, it seems a bit similar. Uh, there is I, one. Th- this is City's competition, mate. You can't you can't start <laughs> know, know, mouthing it like this. I know, I know, I know. Um, but um, yeah, like genuinely, unlike a football, yeah, I, I know it, it's. it's <laughs> but unlike from like a football point of view, it is like it is completely unnecessary, really. Um, and they, if they do play the kids, then like that shouldn't actually be a controversial statement. Teams play the kids in the Carabao Cup anyway, so. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be difficult to kind of maintain that energy, I think, but I guess you can do that in bursts. Um, and it was important to have that from the start. Yeah, I, I guess there's teams that it is more effective against and the, the teams that you want to do it against are the, are, are, are the teams that caused City problems last season. The, the, the sorts of games like in the Arsenal game, like in you know in Monday's game with Wolves, you, you don't want to give them that time on the ball. There are other teams they'll get away with not pressing that, that intensely all yeah. the time, I guess. Um, get away with, yeah. But again, even in the the kind of the connotations of that phrase, get away with it, it kind of suggests that they're taking a chance, doesn't it? Like, because I don't, I might be remembering these seasons wrong, but when they won the title for those two seasons, they weren't getting away with not pressing teams, were they? They were doing it against everyone. They were all, that's just how they played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for now, yeah, the realities may mean that um, they don't have to. But again, I mentioned that Leicester game, they got Leicester on Sunday. And then after that, they got Leeds. And, you know, Leeds, Leeds won't give them an, an easy ride and they'd probably better, you know, fight Leeds at their own game just as um, Leeds were trying to fight City at their own game in terms of the pressing. So, yeah, I mean, that that's de- that was definitely one element of it. And just, they just knocked it around so well as well. Like, um, there was a whole passage of play up in the build-up to the second goal, which is obviously really well worked. But not even the same passage, but maybe like a minute or two minutes worth of, of passing around the pitch before that second goal. Um and I think even they won the ball back quite high up and then they went back and passed it around and they eventually got the goal. It was just like, just really slick. And given they've not had the preseason friendlies, given seven first team players were out injured. Um, and it was in terms of, you know, you also mentioned, um, you know, Guardiola kind of ditched the complicated stuff from last season. But I think one of the interesting things was the midfield because um, obviously they've decided they're not going to buy a midfielder as we kind of been saying or summer like whenever I said look nobody told me they're going to buy a midfielder that's that's because you know they've decided they don't need to I mean 
It's Fernandinho a midfielder again now. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, again, when you said they did anything complicated before the game, kind of in that negativity spiral, I was thinking this is going to be three at the back, isn't it? and then when they took the jackets off and it was that kit, I was like, oh god, they're going to lose playing three at the back in that kit, and everyone's going to go <laughs> mad. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean, I guess so because. <sighs> <laughs> well, I don't know, because I was going to say, if they get Koundé in, then they've got enough centre-backs. And obviously, they will have enough centre-backs when Laporte's back. And if they get Koundé in, or God knows, somebody else, and Ake. But then last night, given like, just going by the logic of Guardiola not trusting John Stones generally, there wasn't he could have just put Fernandinho at centre-back last night. So, yeah, is he a midfielder or not? I mean, I guess I guess he, he will be. But, I mean, so the interesting thing with the midfield is they probably need one. I would, I would like if they had a bottom number eight. I would say the squad needed that. On the other hand, if they had have a year ago, people were saying if they replaced David Silva in the transfer market, then that's bad news for Phil Foden. So they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, but that's kind of irrelevant anyway. They're not going to. And this sort of season's all going to be about how Guardiola finds that balance without David Silva, because you know Silva brings a very specific quality to City's game that only Gundogan can replicate. But Gundogan's still not as incisive and as creative as, as Silver is. So he's a similar type of player, but not as good. So they're going to need to replicate what Silver gives the team, which is very important, uh, but without doing it in the transfer market. And they struggled to do it last year. Um, but Fernandinho and Rodri at the back of midfield looked good. De Bruyne I- hovering around on the left worked. And that worked because Foden dropped in off the forward line on the right. So often there was... Just if you can think about it in your mind's eye, I'm sure the two men at the back and then the two men in front of them, like a box in midfield, are dropping in behind the the Wolves midfield, trying to find space. And I mean, it's, he's not going to do that every game, of course. But if we're talking about Guardiola finding solutions in that midfield, which he struggled with last year, this was a good start. Yeah, I, I really liked that Fernandinho Rodri kind of axis in the middle. Um, the the only doubt I have is if Gundogan was available, would he have done it? Yeah, they'd probably just put Gundogan next to Rodri. Yeah. because I mean, I, I guess so, because... Uh, I mean, because the thing is, when they started, I was like, why have you got Fernandinho and Rodri together? And there will be reasons for this. But it's like, Fern- like, the whole thing with Rodri is he's not as good as Fernandinho at doing what Fernandinho does or did. So it was like, if you were going to play Fernandinho in midfield, it's because he can do that pivot role by himself. Um so and then the theory is you don't really need Rodri then. So you don't need both of them. And then you could have um, another number eight. But there we go. There wasn't another number eight last night. Uh, unless he'd played Foden as one, to be fair, and um, started Mares. But obviously Mares isn't fully fit. Um, or Ferran Torres. But I don't think he was going to start for Torres in a game like that. And he was kind of reluctant to bring him on, obviously, as well. Um, so, But then the other thing is, I mean, maybe Fernandinho isn't, still, isn't quite the same player um, in terms of legs or... Well, it would only be legs because he's still as intelligent. He still knows how to do it. He just might not be able to do it as effectively. So at the start of the game, I was like, it seems a bit like overkill. But at the same time, maybe this is just the plan that Guardiola's decided. Obviously, I mean, we know as last season went on, he he favoured that double pivot. And I don't know. Um, well, was, I don't know was... maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that is the way to, to cover for... Um, if the, if the pressing isn't as effective as it should be, there are two people there. And look, at, at the end of the day, he would have expected a counter-attack from Wolves. Um, that's how he's dealt with a counter-attack this last season. Um, he He's put two midfielders in there to protect the defence that has been shaky. And I'm sure he didn't fully trust 
John Stones under scrutiny, or I don't know, maybe even Aki having to get anybody going one on one with um, Adama Traore. So yeah, he, he would have done that double pivot, yeah, even with Gundogan. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'm not Which- convinced it's the best way forward. But at the end of the day, the evidence last night suggested it, it worked quite well. Why Always Us is brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. Was the double pivot, with with it being both Fernandinho and Rodri, was it was it that the reason why John Stones and Nathan Ake looked so impressive together? Because they, it almost felt like City was straight back to their defensive performances of 17, 18, 18, 19. And also the reason why the press in front of that was, was so much better as well, more, more dynamic as well. Well, again, I'm not sure if it's the reason. Like, I, the, like the reason... The press was more dynamic, may have just been because that's how the players were motivated. That's what they were told to do. And then as a result, there was less scrutiny on the defensive midfielders. But then when there was, there was at least two of them there to to block off. And then as a result of that, you've got less scrutiny on the on the defence. Because I think last season, the problem was they weren't sustaining the attacks. You know, they were either losing the ball high up the pitch or they weren't, and they weren't counter-pressing properly to get it back. And then there was more pressure on the defensive midfielder, which was generally Rodri. And then they were getting Rod- past Rodri quite easily. And then they were in on Stones and Otamendi. And then the whole house of cards fell down. But if last if last night you could basically say pressing was good, there was two men in midfield who were pretty well positioned to play pretty well. So then behind them, the defence weren't put under too much scrutiny. And that's probably why they look more solid. Um, I mean, they did do a good job. Ake looked quite quite good. Um, Guardiola had some words of advice for him, but he does that with everyone. Um, Stones looked, I don't know, in terms of negativity and expectations before the game, it's probably fair to say Stones was better than expected because it sounds very harsh, but I'm not sure how much would have been expected from Stones or you might be expecting him to have a bit of a mare. Um, he, I mean, he... Overall, he didn't finish the game as well as he kind of finished the first half. After the half time, it was like, wow, if he can play like this, then great, great, great. Um, I mean, the second half was a bit tougher for him, but he certainly didn't have a bad game by any means. Um, and it's going to be interested now. Like, is is it is that it? Like, is he definitely staying? Obviously, he said a lot that he wants to stay, and he said things on social media that um, you take as as red that he is going to stay. Um, but they're clearly desperate to get another centre back in. Um, they've got Ake already. They've got Laporte. Um, hmm. well, yeah, would he be? Would he just be the fourth? Maybe you, he would. You, be. I mean, you've got to think it'd be Otamendi out. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Otamendi out. Well, the thing is, like, Otamendi out. You can take that as as red, like you could last summer. But uh, the the amazing thing about this, and when we talk about all the, you know, the the pre match concerns, some of them still being valid particularly on the transfer front, and maybe if you're worried about the planning or whatever. Like, how are they still in the situation where Otamendi is still at the club and the, the clubs who are like, oh, yeah, we might sign him, 
are concerned about his wages because that was exactly what happened 12 months ago. That was part of the reason they couldn't get somebody after they didn't get Maguire because the foreign quota was full and they needed to get rid of well, they could have got rid of any of the foreign players, but you're not going to get rid of Bernardo Silva right, to get a centre back. You're <laughs> going to get rid of you're going to get rid of your foreign centre back. And Ottomendi had told them in like the March that he wanted to go, but nobody could afford his wages. So they would have known that they wanted to sell him this summer, and they would have known that clubs wouldn't be able to afford him, especially in the current climate. So surely they would have struck some deal with him ages ago and said, "We'll pay off the last however many years of your contract, like whether it's all of them or it's fifty percent of it, just to be like." Just to get, again, just to get maybe, the wheels in motion. Yeah, and again, maybe this is COVID and City can't do that from their own point of view, from their own financial point of view. But, um, I mean, if that's the case, then you can't really argue. But it's incredible, really, that Otamendi is still there. Um, and that's and that's not being taken care of because that it was obviously going to be the case that clubs wouldn't want to or wouldn't be able to pay his wages. And then, so yeah, then going back to Stones, I guess as soon as the Eric Garcia stuff came out that he was going to leave... Um, or wanted to leave, people were like, oh, does that affect Stones and maybe he'll stay now? Um, the Eric Garcia thing, I mean, Bastards haven't got any money, have they? Like, so it's, they're linked with so many players. Even like the, even in the aftermath of the Messi stuff, I'm sure people were keeping a bit of an eye on Barca and they were linked with Depay. And then I think, I can't remember if it was our last, the Leon, Leon president or somebody else at Leon was like, well, they haven't got any money. He was off speaking to someone in Boston. They haven't got any money, and they were linked with Lautaro Martinez. But I mean, how are they going to afford that? They haven't, they haven't got any money, and I, I know they've just sold Semedo, but they're being linked with with new right backs. And like, I, I'm I'm not sure if selling Arthur and bringing in Pjanic was balanced all of the books. I know that's why they did it, but I don't know if that cured everything, or maybe that Semedo money that they've just got from selling him to Wolves still needs to go towards balancing the books. I don't know, but they've got no money really. Um, so the Eric Garcia thing's interesting and like I still think Pep would play Garcia over the next season if he stayed. Played um, him. He played him against Leon. Well yeah, exactly, exactly. So I still I still think he would play him. But I mean the only reason I was kind of cautious in saying that is because I didn't think he would play John Stones last night. And <laughs> it just it just keeps happening. So in terms of going back to this round houses way of discussing stones, um I suppose he would like if he is keen to stay and be fourth choice knowing that at City the fourth choice centre-back plays a lot of football um, then yeah I could see it happening but one of the one of the main questions I've come back from holiday with and trying to find out is as well as are they going to sign anybody other than the centre-back is going to be like who is actually leaving here because as far as I know they are still going to be selling players but who is it like who who could possibly go and, like, and obviously that ties hand in hand if Zinchenko goes given Angelino's gone then does that mean they're getting a left back as well? And I mean, hope, hopefully we'll have some answers to that pretty soon. But with a couple of weeks of the transfer window left, there's, I mean, I can't imagine we'll get any answers that quickly. But you know, mm, yeah. But then it is only two weeks, isn't it? It's less less than two weeks now. I think. So yeah. They're going to have to get a move on. Yeah. Well, let's talk uh, the second half performance because uh, it did dip after half time. Um, I guess it's. I, I kind of think it's a little bit understandable with the fact, like you said before, they've had no pre season, they've got that many players injured or isolating. And, you know, it just looks like they just needed a few fresh legs in that second half to get the pressing going again more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I was. Um, oh, sorry. I've just seen a, a, a rumor coming out of Italy that. Man City are no longer interested in Koulibaly. They're now targeting Jose Jimenez and Sevilla's Kunde, which is good because 
it's always nice when you see a rumor that at least goes alongside what you've already written or worried there. Because there was, there's been a couple of honor oh, that they still might go go, go back for Kula Valley. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, I was speaking to Jack Gorn on the way back. Um, obviously, can't go in the same car now, so I phoned each other on the way back, and he actually got <laughs> stuck in the traffic jam until three in the morning. That I managed to just scoot past. That you've done, you've d- you did that to <laughs> me coming back from Wembley as well. I got back at like six in the morning from from the Arsenal Cup final, and yeah. you got you managed to get off the motorway. You jam yourself yeah, sometimes. But to be fair, yeah, but to be fair, we did sit in the traffic jam for like two hours, but then there was a spare lane to the right. So I literally just turned the car around and drove the wrong way up the motorway and got off because they were turning cars around, but not for like a couple of hundred yards behind us. So I was just like, well, I might as well go. Anyway, you got to make your own luck. Um, <laughs> and Jack, Jack was saying, he was like, look, they, they look like they only had enough pressing in them um, for the first hour. And then after that, uh, you know, well, or not so much after that, I suppose it would be see what happens, but try and do as much as you can in that first hour. But I mean, it, yeah, even after half time, it wasn't like they were trying to kill the game, was it? It wasn't like there was a lot of chances to go and make it 3-0. They, they were still largely in control. I remember like a five-minute spell-ish of Wolves coming back into it, but then City like were on top again and then it drifted again and then Wolves did come back into it. Yeah, there was a, there, there was, they, they were right. almost at like arm's length for a good portion of that half and then suddenly they had those chances where I think Jimenez uh, screwed one wide and was it Podence who, who tried to lob uh, Edison and it landed on the roof yeah. of the net. The, those yeah. sorts of chances, you're thinking, look, right, okay, now you need to get a grip of this game again. They did get a grip of it and then suddenly Wolves scored and it was almost like the goal was, was a little bit out of the blue after that um, spell of pressure. Yeah, it, like I say, it was weird. Like I remember that period of like five minutes, thinking, "Oh, you know, wolves are wolves are back into this," and then they weren't, um, and then they were again, and then they weren't again, and they and then they scored. Um, yeah, uh, just I mean, maybe that's just because football. That's just how football games normally go, isn't it? Normally, a team gets back into it, and then they score, and or they don't, and they disappear. But wolves kind of kept drifting in and out. It was weird. Um, again, maybe that was just because, um, yeah, because. It's odd because obviously once they did score, people were thinking City are going to throw it away here in terms of that you know uh, worst case scenario thinking from before the game. Um, but I suppose it's 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 odd in that sense that obviously City didn't they they reacted quite well um, and they you know they they scored again. But in terms of it being weird and how they managed to get back in in patches, maybe it is because of that fitness. And in a normal game, in a normal season, or in the middle of a season. I don't know, City's grip on the... I don't know, I'm not even sure this is right. But just in terms of the way the fitness was, they would be more adept at controlling the game with a fitter squad and more options on the bench. Because I know Guardiola was criticised for making late subs again yesterday. And I know this is a this is a common theme and it's an article, it is an article I want to do this season. Um, and I've given a theory about it before after the Arsenal semi-final. Um, Basically, I think he's happy with the flow of the game. Even when they're losing, if he's happy with the flow of the game and they're not getting counter-attacked every five minutes... He doesn't want to upset every it. two minutes, yeah. And they're, they're, they're at least kind of... They've got the ball in the other half and they're creating the odd chance. He'll, he won't want to disrupt that. And obviously, when they were 2-0 up, I think that was the case. Because oh, was, obviously, just... Mares wasn't fit and he brought on Torres, but he was probably thinking, well, this guy is new to the league. And it reminds me of when he brought on Cancelo at Bournemouth last year. Cancelo gave the ball away on the edge of his own box and Guardiola nearly collapsed <laughs> I just, so it was like there wasn't like he was never going to bring one of the kids on unless it was like 4-0 so at 2-0 definitely not and yeah. then the rest of the bench was Otamendi like um 
Well, I was going to say need it, to bring him on. It, it looked like like the team just needed more legs. But like like you say, when you run through the options that he had on the bench, I've just got them in front of me now. Ferran Torres, uh, okay, yeah, fully fit, but new signing. Yeah. Riyad Mahrez had COVID, has not not been able to train properly and and, and be part of the squad. Otamendi's a centre back. He's not going to add that much uh, you know dynamism to the to the team. And then you've got kids: Liam Delap, Tommy Doyle, Adrian Bernabe. And so like, like who who is he going to trust out of that lot? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, trust trust always sounds like a, a strong word, um, but yeah, that is right. Like, he would never have brought one of the kids on in that situation. Uh, and yeah, Mario's not really fit. Ultimately, no point. You know, that, bringing on Ultimately is not going to change the grip on the game. Well, I mean... It might. Yeah, <laughs> it might, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. But I, I, yeah, in terms of like pressing or control higher up the pitch rather than, you know, having to make a clearance or making a mistake or whatever. And yeah, Mario's obviously wasn't fit. So there was just... Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think of it in that sense, and the people were saying before the game, oh, it's the worst, like, weakest bench we've ever had. It's like, it was seven, like, seven first-team players out. Not just like seven players scratching around the sides, but seven players who could have justifiably started that game. Um, so, yeah, I, it was it was a really good performance. And like, obviously, I came away from it thinking that was a really good performance. And even the more I'm thinking about it now, like the morning after, it's like, oh, it was even better. Because like I say, there was, there's always going to be a spell when the other team is on top. And Wolves are a really good team anyway. They didn't play brilliantly, but City kind of made them not play brilliantly. And then they managed it as well as they could. Did um, Wolves improve or did City get worse? I think Wolves improved. Like, Pudence, before the, like, even before the lob and before the, the nutmeg, um, he, 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 he was sparking a few things. Um, I don't know. I mean, mate... Maybe it was maybe again it was a bit of both. Like Wolves didn't play particularly well because City were all over them and City were knocking it around really well and they were kind of chasing their tails a bit. Um, and then as soon as that intensity dipped a bit from City for the reasons we just mentioned, it would have been easier for Wolves to get back into it. So yeah. I think I think it was a bit of both on both sides of the court. And just about Pedence on that goal, um, you know when people are always like you know when people like make a big deal of like a defender or something nutmegging a striker. Like that fame, the famous one is like John O'Shea not making Figo, but it, and it's people are like I think like somebody did it to like Cristiano Ronaldo recently, or like somebody did it to like Neymar in the Champions League, and people don't make a big deal of it, and it's like yeah, but they are a striker, they are yeah exactly like, <laughs> like what are you expecting just because they don't know how to do it to other people like it doesn't it really not it not annoys me but it kind of just baffles me that people go on about like strikers getting nutmegged. It's not like you've done it to Van Dyke, you know. It's not like if you do it to Van Dyke or Laporte then go on about it. But yeah. just because, like, the fact that you're doing it against a big name, like, if you do it to Messi, it's like, I don't know, it, like, I, I know it sounds like a really good thing to do, but they're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not brought up trying to avoid being nutmeg. They're not defenders. Yeah, that annoys me a bit. But I mean, it would, but it's still embarrassing, like, De Bruyne got absolutely done there. And if he'd have done that to, Mar- to Mendy, while we're kind of making judgments on 90 minutes and trying to work out where City are good or where they are good or what's going to be a problem this season or what's going to be good this season. If it had done that to Mendy, everybody would have been saying, right, we need to buy a left-back. Yeah. How, was, how was Mendy? How was Mendy in, in, in the game? Because I, I, I saw a lot of people quite critical of his performance. Um, yeah, he I was, think it was up, that bad. He was up against Adama Traore, who has caused problems for some, some good defenders in the past. Yeah, it was good in the first half, I thought. Um, I mean, the problem with Mendy, like even if he'd have had... A ten out of ten game. Like the problem with Mendy and the problem with having to kind of draw conclusions from one game is the amount of times he has played really well, and people are like, "Oh, well, we don't need a left back then." 
um, oh no, if Mendy can do that, but like it's just such a big if because he'll have he will have a terrible game next week, and um, I don't know. It, the the ninety minutes was a kind of a bit of a combination of those two things. He wasn't terrible by any means, and he wasn't excellent. But like in the first half, he was good. He was pretty solid. And there was a time when I can't remember if it was a Troy or somebody else who tried to knock it around him. And he almost did like a long barrier in cricket where he just put his leg out and stopped him getting around him. I was oh, that was that was really good. And and something that people don't really give Mendy credit for because, you know, the general expectation and belief is that he's bad defensively. Um, I mean, second half, he struggled a bit more. Um, overall, it was a positive performance, I thought. Um, but at the same time, they need to sign a left back. That's my view on it. Like it would be, you know, they'd be taking the piss if they didn't sign a left back again. Like they must know, and we've said this before. But if they'd have signed Messi, they could have got away with it. It wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah. They could have, they could have done what they did in the two title winning seasons under Guardiola, and they could have, you know, they could have played Mendy there. They could have played Tinchenko there, and they'd have had somebody on the pitch. They it would, it just wouldn't have mattered. But without signing the best player in the world, it would have scored anywhere between twenty five and a thousand and seventy goals. <laughs> They're going to have to. No, they they are going to have to get a left back, and I've, I don't know if they're going to. I've, I don't know if I, I don't know. I actually don't know, so I'm, I'm I trying think, to find out. But I if think Ake is the cover. I think Ake is the cover there. I don't know. But I, I thought that. I thought that. But then Guardiola said on Friday it was something like, "Oh yeah, like maybe he can," and it, it just sounded like really reluctant. But if you're thinking, like, oh, I don't know, like it's like saying um, Eric Garcia can play right back if he has to. But you're not expecting him to because Walker rarely gets injured and you've got Cancelo as well. But if you say, oh, he can play left-back if he has to, that's a completely different thing because he'll probably have to. Within yeah. a couple of weeks, Like it, it's conceivable that Mendy is either not playing well or injured. And obviously, look, he didn't play Zinchenko at all, really. In it, like, And even when he did last season, he wasn't very good. So I, I kind of gleaned from that on Friday that it's not actually as much of an option as I thought it would be. Um, they have to sign a left back I, I, and I don't know either way I, I'd like to say I've got a feeling that they will but um, I certainly don't want to get anyone's hopes up on that um, yeah. without having the proper info but they all I can say is they need to I, I think they need a striker as well but it, that again if I, if I had to guess will they get a left back I'd guess they'll try will they get a striker I guess they have tried and they can't this podcast is brought to you in association with Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mates when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health issues. Not everyone wants to have those personal conversations face-to-face with a stranger in a white coat. So Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to 4hims.co.uk forward slash athletic. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S.co.uk forward slash athletic. Just on the striking front, um, how 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 did you find Jesus was? Because he got his goal, but I mean, he was it was frustrating the number of times he was in a position where the linesman's flag would then go up. Yeah, it's just Jesus, isn't it? Like it's just Jesus. Like, he played really well in terms of linking 
linking the play as well. And you know, when people say that about a striker, it's always, it's it's always like it's a bit of a backhanded butt. compliment. Yeah, it is, and it's like the but. It's always like oh, he's a good shot stopper for a goalkeeper. But you know, the implication is they're shit at everything else. Um, and that's not that's not what I'm saying about Jesus, and especially with the way they played last night, and you know, with Foden dropping in and like kind of Sterling going in behind. Um, Jesus did a good job at you know backing up and facing the midfield. Um, and taking the ball there and kind of trying to play it around the corner and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a couple of times when the finishing, he scored that goal when he was offside and he must have known he was offside. But I'll, to be fair, I was thinking, you know, in the second half when he was offside, and but they didn't put the flag up, obviously, because of VAR. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I wonder if he'll score this anyway. Um, and he, he buried it, to be fair. So I, it would be a bit harsh to say he knew he was offside, so the pressure was off, so he buried it. But you can never really rule that out. Um so again, overall with Jesus, I put this in my article. Like it would, it would be a bit like confirmation bias to look at Jesus and say, "Yeah, they need another striker." Because overall, he was good. Um, but to be fair, you're not just looking at the ninety minutes with Jesus. Right? You're looking at the last. God, how long has he been here now? Is this fifth season? Uh, 16, seven, half, halfway through sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, he arrived. Yeah. So four and a half season, but it is his fifth season, fourth, uh, fourth full season. Um, and you're kind of weighing up everything there and you're thinking they need a bagsman, basically. They need somebody who's going to put the ball in the back of that. And they know that, you know, with the strikers they were kind of inquiring about or looking about, looking for. You know, whenever we said it was either going to be a, a, um, a strong and skillful number nine or a, a false nine who can score goals, you know, they wanted somebody who could put the ball in the back of the net with greater regularity and consistency than Jesus. And... I mean, look, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that last night that hammered home that point, but um, it was, it was a, it was a pretty Jesus performance, to be honest. Like overall, good, um, and and he scored a goal, but there's always that little bit of you that areas to improve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, it's the first game of the season, so he might be on that path to scoring yeah. thirty league goals this season, and he'll certainly have the chances to do that. If he plays, um, so yeah, he, he was good. Um, again, I'm tr- I'm trying to rein myself in from making big <laughs> sweeping sweeping statements, but I mean, they do need a striker. Um, but I wouldn't. Mm, I don't know. May- maybe I've been taken in by the wind, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's a massive failure if they don't get one now. Whereas before the game, I'd have been saying they definitely need a striker. Um, I I just think a left back makes more sense. If they get another centre back and a left back, they've got enough to win the title. I think maybe that's me being taken in by ninety minutes and. You know that may, maybe their biggest problem this season will be missing a load of chances again, and, I, and I'll go back and say, "Well, they should have bought a striker." But this, the feeling I get right now is, especially if Aguero's back in a couple of weeks, or I don't know, three weeks, then mm, they've got just about enough. It's not as much of a risk as as pretending they don't need a left back. But. Well, I know everybody has been hanging on to this for about thirty five minutes since you mentioned it at the start start of the show now. Um, but you you said in the Friday press conference that you wonder if Guardiola was having too much of a, a little bit of a moan about Aguero's situation. Do you suspect mm. he won't be out for two months in that case? Yeah, well, I mean, um, James Ducker wrote about this in the Telegraph anyway, um, which is annoying. Um, but um, he, yeah, there was a story yesterday. He was saying, I can't, I don't know the exact time frame now. Um, but he was saying he'd be back sooner than expected. And that was, yeah, was it Saturday or Sunday? Somebody who knows Aguero messaged me saying, what, like, what, what did Pep, he's like, why did Pep say that? You know, he's, because this, this guy had told me last week, he was a, around the time of, you know, the story went up saying he's, in, he's likely to play against Wolves. This guy messaged me saying, yeah, he's not going to play against Wolves, um, but he'll be back the week after. It's just because he hasn't trained with his teammates. And I was like, Is he, are you sure he's not had a setback? Because I was like, that meniscus injury is, 
can be quite serious. And he was like, no, it's just because he hasn't trained and he'll be back soon. So then when Guardiola said that, he messaged me. He was like, have you got any idea why he said that? Because, you know, Grow is fine and, and he'll be back soon. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, but there was a video of him running with the ball on Friday. Yeah, yeah, Thursday, yeah, Friday. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I did say the one thing that Guardiola did say about Aguero, in turn, rather apart from just the time frame, was um, that it takes Aguero a bit longer to get back fit after an injury. And I was like, that sounds like a grumpy thing to say. That sounds like a needless thing to say that Guardiola wouldn't normally say, but he's trying to make a point. Um, and I know everybody kind of, they go, oh, is he doing a Mourinho and making a point that he needs another striker? I do think there might have been an element of that to it. Because, so this guy was like, you know, he won't be out for two months. He'll be back sooner than that. And I was like, okay, well, you never know with people who know the players because they always generally tend to say they're fine and they're ready. So I was like, I'll take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. But then on Sunday, I was speaking to somebody about um, the Koundé situation at centre-back and they were saying, oh yeah, and this is more on the Guardiola side. And they were like, oh yeah, Aguero shouldn't be out for for too long either. So it's like, that's a weird one. So yeah, so Guardiola saying that, it it does strike me a bit of him complaining a bit really. I mean, the the fact that he said that Aguero doesn't recover too quickly kind of is a, I don't know. I, I'm a bit reluctant to get drawn into the, oh, is he sending the message via the media kind of thing, but it is a bit of a, well, you know, this guy, he's got knee problems and it does take him a while to, to recover. And you know, we need a striker and we're not going to get one. So that's how I read into it um, from, from Guardiola's from press conference. Went, the yeah. day. And I mean, yeah. he's obviously not happy at the moment. Like, did you see, did you see his press conference after the game? I've not. Um, no. Yeah, it was exactly the same. If you saw the one on Friday where he didn't have much to say and he was in a bad mood, it was exactly the same. And like he was actually asked, he was like, "Are you are you actually all right? Like, are you you're, like, you're saying you're happy <laughs> about the game, but you don't see me?" And he was like, "Oh, I'm delighted. I'm delighted." You know that kind of stuff. Oh, it's that like Burnley New Year's Day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then and then he was, like, "I just don't have a nice smile." That's it. And then he was like, "Yeah, but seriously." And he, but then he was like, "Oh no, it's just the reality of the situation. We have to deal with it." So like, he's obviously pissed off, and it's tempting to go with. Oh, he's not happy about the transfers. And if I can just diverge down this street a minute ago, if you if you think if you think back to Khaldun Al Mubarak's interview, which wasn't particularly explosive, but I think the thing that stuck in my mind, maybe because I was on transfer mode, was he said, beyond Torres and Ake, there will be more signings, plural. And he talked about how they've got this profile, which you all know it is, you know, they're about 25 years old, they cost about 60 million quid, blah, blah, blah. He said they would break that profile because it might be what the team needs or what the manager needs. So it was obviously he was talking about Koulibaly, who's 29. And it was just at the time when they were working out what they were going to do with Messi as well. So you could easily put Messi in that bracket of, well, he's not the usual profile, but Christ, the squad needs him. So we're going to do it. Um, and and yet here we are. And yet here we are, yeah. exactly, without them. So I can see why the fans are annoyed. But also, I can see why Guardiola's annoyed because I, I do think there was a strong hint from Al Mubarak that those sign-ins, those older, more experienced players were players that Guardiola had said he wanted. And now he's not at the moment getting them because Koulibaly, I keep dancing around this, but if you haven't heard, Koulibaly is basically off. Like I said, did that when I read out that live tweet earlier on, the story we I wrote on Monday was Koulibaly is basically off. They made like a an, take it or leave it off or, or an ultimatum, however you want to call it, like around two weeks ago when the message Na- And Napoli left it. <laughs> well, yeah, and Napoli, well, we'll forget it then. Um, I don't know who was calling who's bluff there because City won him and Napoli won to sell. But the situation they're in now is at the moment they've walked away. They've looked at Koundé. Like Jimenez, we've talked about him before. 
they made an inquiry. As far as I know, Atletico has said, well, it's buyout clause or nothing. And he's 120 million euros. So I don't think he's actually a goer at the moment. And the the goer is Koundé because his buyout clause is 90 million euros. And although Sevilla's sporting director, Monchi, said they would only sell for that, I don't think that's the case. I think City are thinking they can get him for less. So he, at the moment, is the one they're looking for. But given the way the summer's gone, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't buy him. They they went and looked back to Koulibaly or something like that. But if I had to put money on who they'll sign at the moment, I'd say Koundé because he's the most likely. But we'll yeah. see. So there's that. So yeah, obviously Guardiola's not got that profile of player that he wants. So that's a that's a reason for saying he's unhappy. But I think if you just look at the other the other things like him saying that's a situation we have to deal with it. Like like I mentioned, the Carabao Cup. I don't think he'll be happy that they're throwing a Carabao Cup game in there. Um, and obviously, they can't have. They haven't had any preseason friendlies. They've got so many injuries. They got players getting COVID, which I'm sure he's probably pissed off with the players with, really, because you're, you know, as a professional footballer, your responsibility is to be fit and ready. Yeah. But don't like he can't because they, they haven't got it from anyone at the club, have they? So I'm sure he's probably pissed off with them. Actually, I hadn't thought about this before, but he probably is. So I, I think he's just annoyed because. We've talked about Guardiola's kind of neurosis before in terms of wanting to control every element and have every element under their control. Like, it, it won't be any consolation to him whatsoever that every club's in the same situation and everybody's life is kind of out of control in a way because Guardiola focuses on what he can do and what, what his team he can, can do. control. Yeah. Yeah. And like Juan Marleo can say, look, Pep, it doesn't matter. This is the same for Liverpool. This is the same for Chelsea. Like, nobody's had any friendlies, blah, blah, blah. It won't bother him at all because that doesn't satisfy how he is as a person. Yeah. And he needs everything or yeah, yeah, needs everything to kind of be, you know, functioning well and ev- and ev- and everything going well and he's got seven players out either injured or with covid, which is just incredible. Um no preseason friendlies, an extra Carabao Cup game which is obviously not happy about and the transfer situation as well. So, I mean, you can see why he's not happy. I suppose the only other thing to say is does he need to kind of show it so publicly? Yeah. But again, I suppose that's just a character a character trait, I guess, and like none of us are perfect. Like, if I'm annoyed, you'll know about it as well. So I'm not going to criticise him for that. But I, I could see why people would be like, especially on Friday going into the season, it hardly sets the right tone, does it? But I suppose it goes to show now how he was pissed off before and pissed off afterwards that Guardiola's mood doesn't necessarily reflect how he's going to play. I was going to say on that, and kind of like the final question, he must be pleased with how they played in the end and the result that they got. He's got to be. He's does got it- to be. Does it answer the questions that that we had about last season? That they they look it's one game, but they look tighter no. at the back and they took their chances. No, um, it just can't because like the bigger, more talent like gap was lockdown because they went into lockdown. Obviously, lost the derby, and that was the latest in a long line of. Of, well, they, that wasn't even one of the games they played well in but lost. They just didn't play well, did they? There was a few of those and there was a lot of games where they played well but didn't win. And then going out of lockdown was like, okay, they've had three months off. They've had a break mentally and physically. They might be able to, um, but to they, bounce back. But they, they were still trailing Liverpool by, what, 15, 18 points. So they were, like, it, yeah, it was still, it, it wasn't a, it was still a complete the reset. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't a complete reset. But in terms of focusing on your own performance, um, and doing what you need to do to win games, there was still that issue, Chelsea away, Southampton away, Arsenal semi-final, where they had the same issues. And even then when it really, really mattered, look, you can you can maybe blame Guardiola for the tactics, I'm sure a lot do. And look, to be fair, I, I've said he, he got it wrong, um, although for justifiable reasons, I guess. Um, the Champions League summed it up because they were brilliant against Real Madrid 
and then they were t- terrible, basically, against Leon. Um, and you could never pin down if they'd sorted out their problems or not. And now they've only had five weeks since the Leon game. And I, again, I wrote in my article, look, as good as they were against Wolves, like there's just, there is no, this is the problem with a win on the first game because if they'd have lost, everyone would have lost their heads and said, oh, this is why they're going to be crap and blah, blah, blah. And genuinely, if they'd have lost, I'd have tried to have been as measured as I have been as they've won. But I will say there's no point in reading too much into it because they might lose to Leicester. And that's not how, just me being about- negative, but that's just the reality. Like based on last season and not knowing what you're going to get from City, I, I'm not going to read... Well, I'm not going to be satisfied that they are back, in inverted commas, until about 10, 15 games in. Well, I was going to say, how, how about with more evidence? They beat Leicester, they beat Leeds and in the same manner. Is that, that, um, it, it goes towards answering the question. It goes towards it, but again, not enough, because like, when they came back from lockdown, um, I, the, I mean, they lost to Chelsea quite early, but there was there were runs of results where they looked good. Like, they beat Liverpool 4-0, and they did, there was always just two steps forward, one step back. So... Like even if they were to beat Leicester and Leeds, which I think they definitely can, um, I wouldn't be thinking. I certainly wouldn't be like putting a load of money on, on on City to win the title at that point, just because you just don't know what's around the corner with this team. So, like I say, after ten fifteen games, we'll have a look, and then obviously you won't be able to say then, oh yeah, they're definitely going to do it because anything can happen in, in a title race. But we would at least be able to get an idea of are they going to get rid of this inconsistency that cost them last season? And there's just no way we can we can see that over the 90 minutes. But obviously there were a lot of positives. And like we say, they everybody was expecting, whether this was fair or not, loads of people were expecting Wolves to equalise once they got the goal back. But City, they, they were, you know, they managed it quite well. And that's definitely a positive. I'm just saying you can't go another couple of steps beyond that because it's just way too... It's impossible to know after one game because they're just, you know... They're just, they're, you just don't know what you're going to get from them. They're, they're really, really good, but then they just they can they can implode, and that's there's a million different reasons they need to sort out why. But that's the kind of the big thing they need to sort out this season. Yeah, well, uh, roll on Leicester, in my opinion. Uh, that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, and look, Bournemouth's going to be really interesting if they do play the kids, especially. I want to see Liam Delap play. I, I want to see, well, Jaden Braff. People are expecting him to play. But... <laughs> We've 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 done that before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Roll on, roll on, Bournemouth. Roll on, Leicester. I'm genuinely excited to see what's going to happen. And yeah, let's let's go. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm David Mooney. Don't forget, you can also sign up for the Athletic for one pound a month right now by using the code Man City Pod. 